You're listening to Comedy Central. November 27, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. tuning in. Our guest tonight, Diego Luna, is here, everybody. I'm such a big fan of his work. We're gonna talk about the new season of Narcos Mexico. Seriously, if you're gonna watch one thing on Netflix right now, you should watch my stand-up special. But if you're gonna watch two things, (laughs) Narcos is pretty damn good. So we're gonna be chatting about that. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. Gender is a complicated topic these days. And gender reveal parties are just adding fuel to the fire. The Arizona Star's new video showing an explosion at a border agent's gender reveal party that apparently sparked the 2017 sawmill wildfire. Agent Dennis Dickey admitted to accidentally starting this fire that burned 47,000 acres in the Santa Rita Mountains. He was sentenced to five years probation and ordered to pay restitution of more than $8 million. Damn. The guy was trying to have a gender reveal party and ended up burning down a forest? It's like, congratulations, it's a lawsuit. <laughs> like, these gender reveal things are getting out of control because when it started, it was just like popping a balloon. Now people are setting off explosions. Like, it's a bomb. You're setting off a bomb. It's, go- it's gotten so violent, I feel like we're a month away from a gender reveal drive-by shooting. It's a girl, mother <laughs> Ah, enjoy it! They grow up so fast! <laughs> Moving on, Bitcoin. It's the fidget spinner of currency. But there are still some people who want in on the trend. Ohio is now the first state to accept Bitcoin as a form of tax payment. Businesses and the state can now register online to pay their taxes with the cryptocurrency. Everything from cigarette sales taxes to employee withholding taxes can be paid using Bitcoin. Eventually, the state will expand the initiative to individual filers. That's right, in Ohio, you can pay your tax using Bitcoin. And I'm pretty sure people who use Bitcoin don't pay tax. So I don't know what the point of this is, you know? That's the whole point of Bitcoin. You hide your money. Uh, And secondly, Bitcoin is super volatile. I don't understand why a government would mess with that. Its value goes up and down like crazy. Can you imagine an entire government funded by Bitcoin? They're gonna be paving the roads like, wait, everyone, stop! Bitcoin tanked! We can't afford this. Unpave, unpave, unpave. Wait, 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 wait. It's bounced back. Repave, repave, repave. Wait, it tanked again. Re-unpave, re-unpave, re-unpave. Finally, moving on. Uh, the holidays are just around the corner, and it seems that everyone is feeling the holiday spirits. Pictures of several bell ringers with controversial patches on their jackets are causing some controversy in Valparaiso. This image shows men with leather jackets, one with a patch that says Aryan, and another with a Confederate flag. They were seen ringing the bell for the Salvation Army. The Hells Angels Motorcycle Club they belong to says some members choose to wear heritage-based patches. A representative for the club says people should stop making negative comments and spend time on making a positive difference. Okay. (laughs) Did a motorcycle gang just tell us to stop making negative comments (laughs) and spend time making a difference? (laughs) This is pretty genius. You realize they're wearing racist paraphernalia but then just because they're ringing a charity bell, they make you sound like a hater for calling them out. 
focus on the good things I'm doing. <laughs> Can you imagine if the Nazis try to pull that stunt? They're like, everyone focuses on the camps. No one talks about how we volunteer at the animal shelters. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our main story. General Motors. It's not just the least popular Transformers character, it's also one of America's biggest car manufacturers. But now, they're in the news for what cars they're not gonna be making. Thousands of General Motors workers will have little reason to celebrate this holiday season. Facing slumping sales, General Motors will stop making six underperforming sedans by the end of next year, idling plants in Ohio, Michigan, Maryland, and Ontario, Canada. Six passenger cars reaching the end of the road, the Cadillac XTS and CT6, the Buick LaCrosse, and Chevy's Impala, Cruze, and Hybrid Volt. General Motors chose its words very carefully, not saying that they were closing the Lordstown plant, but rather they weren't allocating a product to the plant after March. Oh, thank God. I thought they were shutting down the plants, but I guess they're just not allocating products there anymore. I wish I could use that language when I break up with someone. Look, I'm, I'm not ending the relationship. I'm just not allocating any love for you after March. Yeah, basically I'm relocating my penis to other locations. But that's right, GM is killing off six of their cars, like the Chevy Vault, yeah? The electric car that tells everyone, the line at the Tesla store was too long, so I just said it. <laughs> or the Chevy Impala, which looks like a sports car made love to a station wagon, and neither of them were satisfied. <laughs> and of course, the Cadillac XTS. It's as close as you can get to riding in a hearse without being dead. <laughs> Look at that thing. But honestly, the one car, the one car that I'll be glad to never see again is the Chevy Cruze because every time I go to rent a car, I somehow always end up with a Chevy Cruze. <laughs> and you know what they do is they trick you, right? Because what they say is BMW or similar. And then when I get there, they give me a Chevy Cruze. <laughs> I'm like, how's a BMW, BMW similar to a Chevy Cruze? They're like, oh, it's got four wheels, you can sit in it. There's a bullshit. <laughs> I hate that car. I feel like one day I'm gonna rent a house on Airbnb and they're gonna give me a Chevy Cruze. And I'll be like, what the hell, where's my house? They say like, well, we said beach house or similar. That's what we said. <laughs> So GM says, because nobody was buying it, they're gonna stop making the Chevy Cruze. And honestly, I get it. People don't wanna drive a car that shares a name with Ted Cruz. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it's the same reason nobody bought the Ford Gaddafi, right? <laughs> no one wanted that car. That car even looks like a Gaddafi. Look at that car. <laughs> it sounds like a Gaddafi do. When you start, it's like... <laughs> And now look, as much, as much fun as it is to roast GM and its cause, the sad truth is, and although you wanna go after the company, because they're shutting down so much production, they're also shutting down a lot of humans' jobs. GM cutting nearly 15,000 factory and white collar jobs. From GM's workers, the reaction was swift and distraught. There's people in there bawling their eyes out. I've never seen anything like it. I felt like somebody kicked me in the stomach. The bad thing is to get this news on the day after we come back for Thanksgiving. So being with our family and our friends, and then they gotta come back to work or wake up in the morning and hear this news, it's not easy for everybody. All right, real people who have lost their jobs. People who are crying, people who are angry. And I mean, that last guy over there tells the story. It's Thanksgiving and the next thing you know, you don't have a job. And I mean, it was a little bit weird because he made it sound like he wasn't just angry about being fired. He also was mad that he had to wake up early to get fired, <laughs> which I agree with. He was like, y'all couldn't tell me I was fired last night. I could have slept in, shit. <laughs> and now, now people are pissed off for two reasons, right? One, 
like all big corporations, GM just got a huge tax cut. But they didn't use that money to protect these jobs. No, they mostly used it to prop up the price of their own stock through buybacks. And like, we can't really be surprised that a business would do that, right? Businesses always try to maximize their profits. That's what a business does. Like if a business isn't making money, it's either a charity or Trump is running it. That's how it works. <laughs> and speaking of Trump, and speaking of Trump, those thousands of GM workers are particularly pissed off at him because he specifically promised that if people voted for him, he'd make sure that GM added jobs. General Motors announced that they're adding or keeping 900 jobs right here in Michigan. And that's just the beginning, folks. In fact, I told them that's peanuts. That's peanuts. You're gonna see General Motors, they're coming back. A lot of companies are coming back. It's a good feeling. That's a really good feeling. Let me tell you folks in Ohio and in this area, don't sell your house. Don't sell your house. We're gonna fill up those factories or rip them down and build brand new ones. So it's gonna happen. That did not happen the way he promised it. You know what the president should have done? He should have said, we're gonna give you new factories or similar. That's what he should have said. <laughs> so it turns out America's top used car salesman clearly sold GM workers a lemon. And if you think about it, Trump's promises are a lot like the Chevy Cruze. You can sell them as hard as you want, but at the end of the day, no one's buying it. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. Um, you know, so, so this, past, this past weekend, there's a story that, um, that caught my eye. There was a shooting at a mall in Alabama where two people were shot, right? I think one died and, and one was severely injured. And the police came in and then they, um, they said that they shot the gunman before anyone else could, could get hurt, right? Um, at least that was, that was the first report that came out. And then this, this is what came out afterwards. Police in Alabama admit they made a mistake after officers shot and killed a man they thought opened fire at a mall on Black Friday. Police killed 21-year-old Amantic Fitzgerald Bradford after they say he was seen fleeing the scene and brandishing a weapon. But now police in Hoover say they may have killed the wrong person and the shooter may still be at large. His father, Romantic Bradford Sr., is a police officer himself. I know my son always respected the police. And if you gave a command when you came around that corner, say freeze, drop your weapon, he'd comply with your order. So the question I ask myself is like, how does this shit keep happening, right? Cops are called into a situation, they see a black person, and then immediately they shoot, right? That's what they did here. They just, they ran in, they shot the guy, and then they were like, we got him. And what's wild about the story for me is, even if we work within a world where the police truly believe he was the shooter, how many times have we seen a shooter who is white and a man get talked down? You know what I mean? Like the shooting that happened in Aurora, the Batman movie guy went in with an arsenal. I mean, he didn't just have one gun. The police talked him down. They didn't kill him, right? The shooting in Charleston, kid who went into the church, shot the congregation of black people. The police talked him down. They didn't, they didn't kill him. In fact, a lot of the killers who did die killed themselves when you look at American mass shootings, right? You look at um, Vegas, the person shot themselves. 
you look at um, Thousand Oaks, the person killed themselves. But in every, like, there's so many instances where we've seen the police talk the person up, but then when it's a black guy, they go like, black guy, mass shooter, shoot immediately, ask questions later. And, and there were so many things that bugged me about the story, because, it, like, it, by the looks of it, it sounds like this guy was a good guy with a gun. That's what, like, they always say, right? The good guy with a gun stops the crime. But then if the good guy with a gun happens to be a black good guy with a gun, they don't get any of the benefits. And what blows my mind is that there's no profiling. Police profile all the time. Driving through New York, they'd be like, you, black guy, search you. You, you look like you're selling drugs, you. But then in the mall, why don't they go, why don't they do mass, why don't they do profiling there? Black guy, probably not you. Skinny white guy with a trench coat, get against the wall. <laughs> and what was crazy about the story is that you read it and you find out that multiple people had guns out because it's Alabama. A lot of people heard gunshots, they pulled out their guns, but then the only person who's shot by the police is a black guy. And then afterwards, they're like, yeah, we, we made a mistake. And what was funny was the initial statement was, we got the guy, we're proud. We got him, the police got him. And then afterwards, when the story came out, they're like, you guys said you got him, right? They're like, no, well, we, we, didn't, we didn't get him. What happened was he was involved in a, in a police um, shooting that may have involved him. It's like, wait, you said you got the, you said you shot. They're like, no, well, we didn't shoot. There was a shooting, and it happened to involve us as police. At this point, you come to, you, like, you, you start to realize that really the Second Amendment is not intended for black people. It's an uncomfortable thing to say, but it's the truth. Like, people will be like, the, the right to bear arms. Yes, the right to bear arms if you are not a black man. If you're a black man, you have no business bearing arms at all. This is not the first time this happened. There was that uniformed uh, security guard about a month and a half ago, same thing happened. He was stopping a criminal. The police shot up and shot him. He's in uniform. What, what else do you want the black person? Because, yeah, you can be like, oh, maybe they did, but this guy was in uniform. So, so they've shown, you know what I mean? Like, it's gonna get to the point where black cops should warn their partners before they go into a crime scene. They should be like, hey, Dave, it's me. <laughs> when we get in there, it's me, all right? I want, look at me. I'm the guy with the gun. I, I'm your partner. He's like, cool, I got it, I got it. All right, let's get in there. Gun, no, 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 it's me. <laughs> Thank God they didn't have a black mall Santa, because I always say that, I go like, they should have more black mall. They would have shot that guy if there was a black Santa in that mall. They would be like, and that guy's kidnapping white babies. <laughs> Shit has gotten so crazy in America. I bet like even superheroes, like Black Panther, the next one, he's not gonna do anything in America. <laughs> the next Black Panther, they're gonna be like, T'Challa, are you helping America? He'd be like, I've seen what happens <laughs> on CNN. I think, uh, where's Ant-Man? Maybe he can help them. <laughs> If you're black and you're a man in America, gun rights are not for you. If you're a black person in America, gun rights are not for you. It's as simple as that. In fact, the safest way to sell a black person a gun in America, they should say, is when you buy a gun, you should buy a white person with it, <laughs> and they hold the gun for you. Yeah, you should be like, what would you like? I'd like a Glock and a Craig. That's what I would like, please. <laughs> and you're like, all right, Craig, you roll with the Glock, and then whenever you want to shoot, if you do get in trouble, you'd be like, what did you say? I'm gonna shoot you, Craig. Do the thing, do the thing, Craig. <laughs> I'm not touching that gun, because I know how it's gonna end. Some bullshit, but it's the truth. Second Amendment was not made for black folks. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is the talented actor, director, and producer who stars in the Netflix series, Narcos, Mexico. Please welcome Diego Luna. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be here. I am so excited to have you here. I binge watch very few shows the way I binge watch Narcos. I mean, I start with one and I go like, yeah, I'm just gonna see how this starts. And then by the <laughs> end of it, 
I'm as addicted as the people that they sell the drugs to in the show. <laughs> Congratulations That's on the show. That's good news. It's healthier. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. You know? It is yeah. much healthier, right? Um, although I, I would shoot someone for the show. I would. Uh, your 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 character is amazing in the story. People are loving the new series of uh, of Narcos Mexico. Felix Gallardo plays a man. You play a man who runs a cartel, but really started the first Mexican cartel. What do you think made him so special? Because everyone was was working in drugs in different ways, but this man did something different. Yeah, he was one step ahead of everyone. You know, he he was. Uh, I mean, he is because he's alive. Uh, he's in jail at the moment. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I'm checking. I like how you're looking around. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, right? <laughs> I think he still is in jail. Oh, yes. good, good news. <laughs> Um, anyway, so yeah, Felix Gallardo, he, he, he managed to create a system that was perfect, you know, right. that worked perfectly for many years. Then it fell apart and it got us in the mess we live in today. But it's good to understand how this system worked, you know, because suddenly he made everyone part of a business, you know, where every level of power was involved. And uh, he managed to sit in the same table, people that wanted to kill each other, basically, right. and said, let's work together. You know, let's create a system where we all protect each other and, uh, and, and created the biggest business in the planet. <laughs> you know, What's interesting crazy. is you, you also play him in a way where genuinely, I, like I know for myself, we, we like him as an audience. You know, he starts from nothing. You see him, his journey. You see how hard he works. You see how much he loves his family. And you play him from the human side and we watch him change over time. When you're playing a character like that, do you have to learn how to like him as well? No, no, no. I think you should get checked. You know? <laughs> I, know, I, I know a few therapists that <laughs> can help you. But he really is. He's likable. No, no. I mean, yes, of course. We, we don't judge the character. I, as an actor, cannot judge a character. Right. You know, I have to humanize the character. I have to give it, like, a three-dimension. Uh, so, so, so it's not the bad guy. Yes. You know? Uh, it's a guy that makes wrong choices. Right. Uh, probably thinks he crosses a line I would never cross. But he has a reason. And his reasons are the same reasons that move me, you, and anyone, you know? Love, jealousy, ambition, right. Right. Uh, guilt. Uh, so, yeah, you, you just have to make sure you know why he's, why he's making the choices he makes, you know? And, uh, and obviously, we also want to uh, talk about wh what happens uh, when they go back home how do they relate with their, you know, their loved ones, mm -hmm. friendship, mm -hmm. uh, family, all of that is important to understand a character. But if you get to the episode 10 and you like the guy... Oh, no, I him, mean... <laughs> I, mean <laughs> I, I don't know if I would be working here <laughs> anymore. I'll, I'll, I'll tell yeah. you this. Uh, you know, one thing I enjoyed about Narcos Mexico was it captures the nuance of the drug war in a way few stories do. So many times in life, we want to have a good guy and a bad guy. Yeah. But in the story, we learn that, especially in the drug, drug war, there were so many good people doing bad things and so many bad people who are sometimes doing good things. It's hard to put your finger. It's, it's the drug cartels, but at the same time, it's the Mexican government who's helping them. And at some point, basically, the drug cartel's working for them. You have the American government who's enabling this. You have the CIA who's contributing to this. Is that, is that important in telling the story for you? I think, yeah, we have to understand the complexity of it uh, in order to... to to bring change one day, you know? We have to feel part of the problem, you know? And we, we always talk about trafficking as being the big issue, and the big issue is the market. I mean, there is a demand 
You right. know? And as long as there is a demand, there'll be someone providing. You know? So it's not about building walls. It's not about militarizing from the borders. You right. know? It's about understanding that we have to attack the market issue. And, uh, and if you tell the story of these people and this system, you have to understand corruption got really deep. You know, and it, again, it, it managed to reach every level of power, military, police, uh, the, banks, you know, how, right, how does right, the right. Mo money move? You know, it's, you know, millions and millions of dollars. How? Somebody has to be moving it. <laughs> it's like, where is that money? Right. You know? And who's selling homes to these people and who's accepting cash to sell them a car and who like. So then you understand that it's a it's a bigger issue, you know, and uh, and that probably, yes, obviously, these guys are not good people. Um, they deserve to be in jail, definitely. But there are so many criminals out there wearing suits, you know, uh, and, uh, and still out there. Yeah. That's powerful. In my country, many of them. That's powerful, it's true. Mm -hmm. you, you were born and raised in Mexico, and then you moved to L.A., but then after experiencing uh, some success, you, you moved back to Mexico. Mm -hmm. why, why did you make that move? A lot of people would think everyone wants to get out of Mexico and that's that, but you moved back to Mexico, why? Well, as, as, I guess as a, as a storyteller or whatever I am, uh, I, I, I felt I needed the freedom I, I used to feel in Mexico, you know? In Mexico, uh, every story I, I, I tell has to do with who I am. You know, right, there's a connection. Right. And, uh, and my job, there's no line between the professional and, and the personal, mm -hmm. you know? The stories I tell have to matter to me, have to connect with who I am. And, uh, and the stories I want to tell are there, you know? So I can go there, experience that freedom, and then fly back to the States, right. cross the border. I have a visa, so I can cross <laughs> the border. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it helps, you know? Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this then. As, as a Mexican, born and raised in Mexico, as someone who's seen Mexico through many different decades, through many different leaders, have you seen changes in Mexico? Do people feel like Mexico is becoming a better place to live in? You know, is it the crime-ridden place that, that Trump and many of his people uh, label it as? Or do you see, do you see a potential future for Mexico? Is, is there hope? I know that you have a new president coming in. What, what, what is just even a sense of yours of what's on the horizon for the country? There's a feeling that things cannot go worse than the last six years. You wow. Know? <laughs> this right. president, we, 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 I mean, the, the president leaving in a few days, uh, uh, the, he's just like, we're so glad he's leaving, basically. Wow, okay. Uh, and I think he is really glad too, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The feeling is mutual. That's funny. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, and, the, and the turnout in the last election was amazing, you know? 50, we just have one round and 53% of the people voted for the same thing. Right. So so, and, and this is the new, the new option, you know, uh -huh. the one that has never been there, you know? So oh, that, that tells you familiar. like... <laughs> that sounds very familiar. Yeah. yeah. It, can, it, can, it can go right or wrong, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and so I'm you sorry. Have, yeah, yeah, no, like, I mean... Suddenly you would... Yeah, no, 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 that. I mean, just the, the one who's <laughs> never done it before. <laughs> what, could, what could happen there? Yeah, uh, yeah. but, but, think, but uh, things can always get worse. That's right, true. Right. But uh, I, I really hope not. And I, I, I really hope things change for good and there's a change of system. But, uh, but it is a rough time in Mexico. It is a difficult time. Uh, and the violence uh, ha is, a, is a big issue there. Right. You know, in the last 12 years, uh, more than 250,000 people have been killed because of 
these war on drugs. Right. Uh, and the numbers are crazy, right? It's that, like, isn't, that is insane. That's, that that's is, war as like war war. Uh-huh, that you would it's think like of, the, yeah. one of the countries where, you know, being a journalist is the most dangerous thing, you know? They, they kill them. They, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So what would you say your, your hope and your vision for Mexico would be? And, and more importantly, actually, what, what would you say some of the misconceptions are that people have? Because everyone has an idea of Mexico. You know, but if you were to say to somebody, hey, I know what you think of Mexicans and Mexico, but there are some things that would surprise you. What would those things be? The warmth, the, 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 you know, the, the love you can find there, the amount of things that connect us, in fact, you know. Uh, I, I mean, and, and you cannot blame everyone. There's a speech of, of, of hate and uh, uh, based on fear, you know, and it's not just the president uh, right. of this country, but it, it is people here and in, in, in both sides of the border. Right. Now with the migrant caravan, you can yes, see yes, that. Yes, yeah. there, w- there was a reaction also in Mexico of people, uh, yeah, being violent to them and thinking they're talking to criminals. And you go like, no, it's, 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 it's so far from that. You right. know? These are families, uh, these are kids and women trying to, to survive, to find a place where they can live, uh, to run away from violence and poverty. Uh, anyway, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that in Mexico, there's a lot of people that would love to connect to the people in this country. Right. You know? And there's so much we can do together and we cannot allow a, a border to define the way we relate to each other. You know? I anyway. love that, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on yeah? the show. <laughs> okay. Genuinely, one of my favorite actors, one of my favorite shows, Narcos Mexico, is available now on Netflix. Diego Luna, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.